welcome to the joyfulness broadcast today i've got joey Schlagen with me and joey is a is a life coach personal and business development coach i saw on your website and yes. so you coach you help people also was looking on your website and you have a book called life's lessons and i love I what you wrote about it the purpose of life lessons is to bring light to everything we go through is a lesson for us to grow from so thank you for being on the show joey i i'm excited to be here with you dick yeah well so first of all i didn't ask you where are you from where where you i'm from? originally from detroit michigan right however i reside in the mountains in south carolina right now okay. which has been my dream to live in the mountains close to trout streams waterfalls things like that so oh wow you live yeah in is that your shack I, um, actually, no, but this is this. I was here about uh, three weeks ago now in Gatlinburg. Right. Cabin top of the mountains up in Gatlinburg. I went to oh, for a week. Beautiful. Oh, so you get to live in the forest with like forest air and stuff. I do. Yeah. Yes. And it's summer there right now, is it? Yeah, it's it's getting close. We still have some cool evenings and stuff, but it's it's close enough to drive the jeep around with no top or take off on the motorcycle oh. for the day <laughs> wow well yeah. that's funny because you, your whole thing is a uh i got from your website is about living your dreams it, it really is yeah it and, took me a lot of years to to finally take bold enough steps to step into this but yeah I, I get to live it now and i absolutely love it and and what i really love about my life is helping other people do whatever that is for them right right and it's good that you're, you know, you're living it as well. So yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so has it always been your dream to live in the mountains? Um, I think even from the time I was a kid, we used to go camping a lot and things like that when I was in Detroit, you know, and, and um, but yeah, so I think that always has been like a right. vision that I've had myself seeing myself living in the mountains, you know, around woods, having some acreage, things like that. Right. And so now that you live in the mountains, uh, what's it? What's it like? Does it excite you every day or how's it like? Um, you know, it's funny. It, 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 it still does. And I've been down here for about six and a half or seven and a half years now. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I still I still have that sense of gratitude. I still pull up in the driveway and I'm like, oh, my God, this is my home, you know, or, <laughs> you know, and I can't say it's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, there's that sense of gratitude, like, wow, this is this is incredible. And I'll tell you what, what I know now, <clears throat> if another step came up, if another desire came up with inside of me to go somewhere else, I would follow that. Right. And where does that desire come from for you? You know, we, we, we all have two internal growth signals that spark us to grow. We have longings, which are that, you know, and I'm the same way. We have those longings of what we'd love to be, do, have, create, how we want to experience life. And then the discontents. So often people live in their discontent of what they don't no longer like, and they just continue to live there and get more and more and more miserable. But the intention of our discontents is to help us use that to identify what we do want. Right. And so when I help people start making that shift, all of a sudden, amazing things start opening up in their life and they smile like I do. And they're excited to share with other people, you know, what their life is like compared to what it used to be like and such. Right. And so as you, uh, as that discontent shifts, what I'm curious as to what happens, does life become more peaceful or is there still more discontent or is there more like, does the desire ever end or no <laughs> no it really never does though but it's part of the human condition right so like from the time i was 22 years old i've had this ignition in my soul that i want to inspire motivate and lead people to living better lives it was even before there was like the life coach or things like that you know going around and such and so because i was raised with conditioning that a man gets a job supports a family and hopefully lives long enough to enjoy some retirement and i bought into a hook line sinker i built a career in corporate america for 28 years but all the time i had this desire in me i had a desire to own a business that impacted people's lives that motivated and inspired them to live better lives and and that i can operate from anywhere in the world 
And so as I finally took the leap, you know, took the, the bold step into, into stepping out into that and things came together and things started happening and I do workshops and all that stuff and it happened, all of a sudden there's a discontent that goes, man, I want to impact millions of people's lives. So I want to create a corporation that trains other coaches to coach like I train, to use my programs to, so that all of a sudden now I'm look, I have a corporation where I'm training other coaches to, to coach like I do with my program so that I can spread that footprint of people that I'm, I'm assisting and serving in my lifetime. And so it just continues to grow and expand for you, Nick. I imagine at some point you were doing what you do without the podcast, right? Without the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a podcast. Yeah. And, and then you had a desire to reach more people, expand to more people or whatever it was. Right. And you got the idea of a podcast. Right. And how long have you been doing the podcast for? Me? Uh, for? Oh, question. Probably about a year, maybe about a year. Okay. Do you have any other desires coming up within that to expand it more? Uh, see, for me, it's not really, I'm not sure if it was a, it was maybe a momentary desire. Okay. It really came up as a thought. Um, is that form for mm-hmm. an idea at the start? It was, just came up, you know, I've met lots of cool people. It'd be really mm-hmm. cool. Cause I was in lockdown um, in April last year, just come yes. back from New Zealand. And so I was in the, an apartment lockdown and I had a mic with me for some reason. I don't remember why. Uh, and I, <laughs> I you don't always thought, travel with a mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I don't remember exactly why, but I had a microphone. Yeah. So I thought it'd be cool to start a, um, podcast but it just came up as a cool idea i was like oh this is like in the same sense that maybe a kid would like see a toy and be like wow this would be really cool to play with this one um yeah so 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 what what i heard you say in that Hmm. is you had a discontent of feeling kind of locked down actually i wasn't really feeling discontent at, at all really um i was it yeah, so that's what I'm trying to understand. Because for me, it's uh, it's not necessarily discontent. It's just because uh, a lot of times we can confuse it and we think discontent is I'm absolutely miserable. I can't stand this for another minute and things like that. But there's degrees of discontent, right? So, for instance, let me use your example here. Anyways, is is somebody that's feeling kind of locked down because of COVID and everything happening and stuff like that? They're going, man, I want to find, I want to reach out. I still want to have those conversations. I want to meet people. I want to do things like that. And all of a sudden they have an idea of a podcast. That idea arrived based on feeling that lockdown and not wanting to experience that way. So we have an idea that's really, if you break it down, maybe not for you, but it's, it, it comes from a discontentedness for the lockdown, for whatever it is. And all of a sudden we follow the idea and then we start doing podcasting and then all of a sudden it's, I want to, I want to do this, or I want to, you know, and we continue as long as we're alive, we continue to expand and to grow. That's a human condition. And the way we do that is sparked by our longings, the things we're still desiring to experience in life and our discontent, the things that are like, man, I want something different here. You know, it's go on. Oh, it's just, it's just, I'm curious as to that perspective. Well, if I go uh-huh. to the, it's just that it doesn't sound like there's much, there's excitement, there's thrill, but it doesn't sound like there's a lot of peace. In um, what? In the constant longing and discontent, in this cycle between discontent and longing. Is there, do you find that there for you is a, a room for, for peace and for just stillness? For just oh, yeah. There, I mean, we, you know, we have to um, allow that in to our life but think about it this way have you ever won something and then you achieve it yeah yeah and then over time having it there's not as much thrill as there was in the gaining of it yeah yeah that's what exactly what i'm talking about that longing and discontent lead to that spark that's where life really really happens that's where you know being at the top of mount everest 
at some point would end up getting boring, but that climb up there and the climb back down is where the excitement is, right? Right. That's what I'm talking about. Our longings and discontents are truly leading us into living life with a spark, living it with passion. That's the journey. When they talk about the journey, that's that journey right there. It's not in once we achieve, it's in that, it's in the journey of the story, the unfolding, the life as it's right. unfolding and how we're going about it to get there, that right. the real life is right. happening. I see. So what you're talking about is, is passion for for using whatever wherever you are and turning that into a growth a spark a passion for yeah there's people that have passions for old cars there's people that have you know what i mean like anything you can think of there's 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 you know people have passions for them and so it's just following and and again when i say they have our longings and discontent it's it can be a little bit uncomfortable to feel those things but if we understand it's just guiding us to having the thoughts like starting a podcast you know, it's guiding us to the thoughts of stepping away from a 28-year career that I was good at, but I, I never wanted it, to step into doing what I get to do today. Right. Right. You know, to helping people live better lives, to truly getting to step into doing that. Right. So I have a cool question, a cool uh, yes. question. <laughs> well, it's about whether discontent, discontent uh, is necessary to actually grow um, because in my experience just to bring back the podcast for example um, there was I was happy being where I was uh, I was happy being I was actually happy to be locked up <laughs> I was happy with it there was no discontent um, I, I even spent my birthday locked down but I was still happy <laughs> yeah uh, so the idea actually came, especially ideas, and particularly for me, they don't really come from discontent. In fact, most of my the amazing ideas I'm flooded with are when I'm sitting down and meditating, and then some, there's a phase where there's just ideas yeah. that flood in. You sort of got to surrender through it. Um, but it's like there's no discontent with it. There's just it's like this opening. There's like this opening, and when there's an opening, there's just all this stuff that's flooded in. So yes. what's interesting to see whether in your view, discontent is, is necessary, or whether you've had other experiences where um, it was growth driven by joy instead of driven, because at a certain point, sure, we can be driven. Suffering is a great motivator to end suffering. But then at another point, we can sort of transcend that drive and move to a pool where we're pulled by joy. And there's no, there's a completion moment to moment to moment rather than an incompletion. Eh incompletion next thing incompletion next thing yeah that that's... i very very much yeah so, and I so think, what's your view i think what we're doing is i i think and it's probably the way i'm explaining it but our discontents feeling discontent is different than being pushed by our pain okay so often we don't make changes in our life we don't do things that you know people people don't do things that you know they want to do and things like that and so they don't change jobs until they lose the job they have, right? They don't, they don't move out of an unhealthy relationship until something happens to them to force that onto them. We, we are pushed by our pain. That's a whole different thing. Our discontent is, is only a negative if we make it negative. All right. our discontent truly is by, is, is by the way I define it, is that we want more. We want different than what we have right now. You open that podcast because something inside of you wanted something more, that you wanted something different, or you'd have never had the thought to start the podcast. So mm -hmm. if you take the negativity out of discontent and take it out of that negative factor, then we can understand that that's what drives us going forward and growing in our life. So what I say is you can be pushed by your pain or pulled by your vision. Okay, so push by your pain is the scenarios I already gave you pulled by your vision is and this is what I do with every client, whether it's an individual or corporation that I'm working with, is I define a very powerful vision. I've done this, this over and over for organizations that were headed into bankruptcy or in bankruptcy. I've done this for people of all walks of life where you, you define a powerful vision of what you desire to experience in this lifetime. And what I call it a dynamic, dynamic visioning. But when we do that, 
all of a sudden you have a vision that you're going towards. So it's pulling you into the vision. Opportunities yeah. start showing up easier. Bigger results happen in, in place of the actions that you take into them and stuff. But the way we develop that vision is looking at where do you want more than what you have right now? Where is it you want to experience life differently? Where, what is it that you want to do or create in your lifetime that you're not already doing? Right. So right. if you look at, do you see the difference in that where discontent isn't a negative word? It's not a pull down. Yeah. Could you, is it possible to also see it uh, when you mention what you want more than you have right now? Is there also a different view where you could say, what do you want that's different to what you have right now? Yeah, I think I said that, but yes, absolutely. Right. You know, I, I didn't want more. I wanted different. I was making six-figure right. income. I had a company car. I had all the fringe benefits and everything that go with a vice president of sales. I had all of that. It wasn't that I wanted more than that. I wanted to live fulfilled with inside of right. myself. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't by, by what more, it's that more fulfillment that, that, you know, impacting lives more directly, things like that. But yeah, it, it completely, you know, I, I worked with a teacher who was just burned out on teaching. And when we created her dynamic vision, she ended up creating a vision where she wanted to buy a short bus and convert it to a hair salon and go to industrial parks. People walk out, get in, get their haircut, go back to work in the first year of stepping out and doing that. Now, she had wanted to do that for like six or seven years from before I met her. Within a year that, you know, of us starting working together and things like that, she had taken that bus and convert and, and gotten a larger bus and put a boutique in the front of it. <laughs> so people could go in their shop, get their hair cut and walk right back and work. <laughs> Loving her life. I've had professors from major universities who have come to me and said, man, I just I just want to get out of this. I can't stand doing any more of the politics. Da, 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 da. And one person in particular ended up leasing her house out, selling her motorcycle, getting a Jeep. And for two years now, she's been traveling from national park to national park, blogging and making, getting a following and making some income doing that, working on and off as she goes and stuff. And, and she's staying in a tent through this whole thing and absolutely <laughs> loving her life. So that's what I mean when I say that, right. is those desires within us of what we want to experience in our lifetime are available to us all. Mm-hmm. but so often we are afraid to step out of the norm right of our conditioning and our patterns and all of that stuff so we stay trapped within that and we have these desires to experience different or more or life in different ways mm-hmm. but don't step into that yeah that's what i specialize in helping people do is open up those avenues and step into that and get to experience it because we get one time around in this lifetime you know, and what we do with it is, is, is how we experience it. Right. Yeah. Right. I see. I see what more, more of you saying. Yeah. There's more, it's like a, another way to say the discontent for me, at least from what you've been saying is uh, I just like to explore what that really means. Um, it's mm-hmm. like a misalignment. If you're feeling misaligned inside, like this isn't really what's resonating with you. So, and finding what does by this dynamic vision that you've been mentioning Ultimately, it probably comes back to that, but it's not, again, if you take the negativity, the negative thought out of it, yeah. when you're meditating, I get a lot of thoughts when I meditate. I get a lot of thoughts when I write. I get a lot of thoughts when I drive and I go for a drive and just have that windshield time, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll get a lot, but, but they're all based on how I want to experience this life. Right. And, and, and for you, how often, like we have the, where we live in a place of gratitude and things like that. But typically that's when those things will come out on what more we want to experience or what differently we want to experience in our life. Right. That's all I mean when I say the word discontent. Okay. Right. We just want more different than what we're experiencing right now. And it's a good thing. It's the human, it's, it's the human condition that drives us forward to, to achieve, to strive, to, you know, get up in the morning. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it's just interesting because, you know, this podcast is, it's uh, also a spiritual podcast. So I get lots yeah. of different um, perspectives and I really like exploring these different perspectives because mm-hmm. there's different, um, I think that we all, as I've come to understand, we all serve different functions in the world. And 
uh, none of it, there's no good or like you, you mentioned in that thing, there's no good or yeah. bad, no better or worse. They're all just different functions. Um, yes. And so, yeah, what's interesting is to see that this is sort of this, this strivingness and this uh, desire uh, is something that drives it drives us to achieve. So it's not something that's bad or anything because without it, we wouldn't have everything we have. We wouldn't have the houses. We wouldn't have the- Well, and, and even above that, Nick, ultimately the reason I'm so excited and, and passionate about what I do is because I know it's all spiritual. Everything about our life is spiritual. Even those two growth signals are driving us back to our authentic self, getting rid of the patterns, conditions, paradigms, all that stuff, and getting us to our authentic self because we each have unique gifts and talents within us. And each time somebody goes within and brings those outward, the entire world spiritually shifts because of that. Mm. That's why I'm so on fire about what I do and get so <laughs> excited about it because I get to help people tap into that within them. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just that it's so because at certain stages, especially if one is spiritually aligned, there becomes a sort of I wouldn't know if flatness is the world, but it is it's definitely like a detachment, a non-attachment. There's like either or nothing, yeah, not this, not that. And so it sort of becomes it seems flat. Like for me, for what I used to have a drive, I used to have a drive, but it's been very difficult to find any sort of drive or motivator. More recently, it's mm. been emerging. That's why I'm trying to understand it because it's been emerging yeah. more in a different form instead of a push, instead of a push, it's more of a surrender and then letting that pull yeah. in whatever direction it does. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting because there is this place where you go and you just don't, you just don't want anything. You're like, yeah, this is fine this what? way. It's yeah yeah we're, we're content but we can be content and that's why i'm saying taking the negativity out but we can be content but we're still going to have those longings and discontents you know last last fall i was i was feeling like man i i really feel like like the lockdown and i wasn't able to track you know the year 2019 i traveled like 40 some weeks out of the year speaking and all this stuff and i loved it and then last year it was like shut down <laughs> and I was like, man, I feel like I need this sense of adventure, but I don't, I traveled so much, Nick, I literally bought an RV that I could put my motorcycle in and pull behind my truck so I could travel for weeks and months at a time, <laughs> you know, and now all of a sudden 2020 comes and boom, everything shuts down and it's just been sitting, you know, non-moving and stuff. But so I felt this sense for adventure and, and kind of like you're talking about, I was in meditation and I write about it and I didn't know what it was exactly and stuff. And, and I ended up taking lessons to hang glide. And it was like, man, it just filled up that desire within me, you know, for that adventure and stuff. You know, there's times, there's times throughout the week that I get this, this thing inside of me that just says, man, I need nature. I need this spiritual connection I get with nature. And I'll walk out and take a path into the woods and go sit out there for a couple hours or however long and stuff into the forest and just rejuvenate that way. All of those. So here's one of the things in my book, Life's Lessons is I got to a point in my life, I went through a really like hurtful for me, divorce and stuff like that after a 19 year marriage and stuff. And, and I was just totally, totally lost. And I didn't know what to do or how to do it or any of that. I was just totally lost. I was four states away from my son who was 12 at the time. And I, I just didn't know what to do. And I was in darkness. And then as I started leaning into this, I ended up getting to this point of saying, okay, this hurts so bad. If I'm going to believe in, you know, what my beliefs are and spirituality and all of that and stuff, then, then I got to figure out a way to turn this. So I started out with saying, okay, life happens for me and not to me. And I kind of got halted there because I kept coming into that wall of being the victim of harms happening to me, of things like that. So I said, okay, at some point I said, okay, I, I, so I got to do something about that because it's blocking me. So I came up with this theory that, okay, so if life happens for me and not to me, I have to take the, to get a clear perspective, I have to take my judgment out of it. So there's no good or bad, right or wrong, fair or unfair, any of, the, any of that stuff. And if there is none of that stuff, then I started asking them, why is this happening? 
And all of a sudden, literally my life's lessons from the stuff that was happening there going backwards in my life, I could start seeing how they, what they were trying to teach me and show me in my life. But as long as I had that judgment on, as long as I looked at life happening to me, I couldn't get there. But as soon as I put those together like that, all of a sudden I could start shifting that and seeing it. And that's how the whole book came about. Right. And so what, I'm curious, what helped you um, to let go of the judgment? Did you just decide I went judge or was it? Um, honestly, back then it was pushed by the pain. <laughs> right. It was so painful to live in there. It was so painful to be disconnected from my son the way I was. It was so painful, all the events throughout the divorce and stuff. I, I, I just couldn't stand living like that anymore. Mm. And so in doing that, you know how sometimes pain is a motivator, right? Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it motivated me to start looking outside of what I already knew and start having these realizations in my life that life happens. If life happens for me and not to me, I couldn't get past that if I had judgments. Mm -hmm. So when I started looking at why can't I get past this? Why can't I see life happening to me? Well, because life wouldn't happen to me in these ways and it hurt this bad and, you know, victim, victim, victim. And so I said, okay, what can I learn? One of the largest things I learned out of that when I put all that together is that I had lived my entire life well into my 30s as a people pleaser. And I thought that that was a badge of honor. So as I took the next step and started looking into that, I realized that people pleasing at its core is manipulation. I'll mm -hmm. be however, whoever I think you want me to be to get from you what I want to get from you. Mm -hmm. That was like a huge door opening in my life. And then I could go back to some of the events and instances that happened in my life that caused me to go from this road to this road. And I could start seeing how they, what they were trying to show me. But so often we take those events in our life and people live by them as their truth. But they're actually, there's actually gold in those trying to show us and teach us to grow and expand spiritually in our life. When we look at them as a victim, when we look at them as happening to us, they never get to that. We never get to that point with those things right. to learn and grow beyond that. Mm. And so when you work with people, um, first of all, thanks for sharing and being open with all your experiences. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, when, when you work with people, what's something that you find helps move past uh, the unwillingness to learn and grow? How, how, how do you help cultivate that or find that or discover that willingness to look for the lesson or find the lesson or learn the lesson and integrate it? Sure, absolutely. So, so we, we all have those things in our life that are events or instances or things that happened in our life that we take as happening. We, we use those to define ourselves. Right. Right. Somebody gets bullied at school and they think they're a wimp and then they go through their life living like that. Somebody gets abused in a relationship, you know, things like that and stuff. Right. And mm -hmm. we see that over and over and over again. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, so what I do through my coaching is I, my programs are all designed and my coaching and everything I do is all designed to bump into those things. Because I know once we bump into those, they're not coming up for, to, to drive our life any longer. They're coming up to be repatterned and released to, so we can go beyond that. We can go through those things into the expansiveness of our authentic self. Right. Okay. So when we go through that process, I have multiple ways I do. One of the really powerful things I do is, is a three-step process in blueprinting to help perception shift. To help somebody go back to that event and find the gift within that for themselves, you know, for the gold. I do a, um, um, for divorce, I started out for men only, but it was a divorce struggle to soar program. It's a 16 week program. And it's all based on, and you ever meet somebody who's been divorced for years? And every time you talk to them, they're still talking about what happened in the divorce. They're still talking about that pain. They're still talking about what their ex is doing and all that. Well, I personally haven't, but I can see what you mean. <laughs> okay. So I, well, maybe my line of work, but I've met some of those people, yeah. you know, and some of these people have been divorced for eight, 10, 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're still living in that. The struggle to soar program is to help them find the gold in that, which is the perception shifting, which is all the stuff I'm talking about right now, so that they can use that. They can use the 
fuel from that emotion to as ignition to launch their life mm. to achieve beyond what they could have without that experience happening in their life. Right. So what we do is we take those events, we do perception shifting on, but we take the fuel that's in the emotional impact of those things and we use it to go further than what we would without those events. Right, right. I'm interested in that fuel that you're mentioning. That's, that's something that maybe in the past was a discomfort, but by looking at it, by being willing to see the gift in it, that discomfort turns into this motivator. Yes. Right. Yes. So you see how we shift it from a pain point into acceleration? Yeah. That's yeah. So, so if you look at that starting out as a pain point and you know it's going to end up as, as launching your, into launching your life, is that a negative to have that pain point? Not at all. Not from that perspective. <laughs> not when you use it as fuel right. to lead you, to launch you into where you want to be. So going back to our conversation about discontentment, <laughs> if somebody's feeling discontent about something and that leads them into launching their life in areas they wouldn't otherwise be able to, mm -hmm. is that, that discontent a negative? No. Whether it comes from, whether it comes from not liking what you like, whether it comes from meditation, whether it comes from whatever, the feeling of expansiveness, whatever it is, expanding and growing in your life. Right, right. Yeah. No, nothing. So I see nothing innately is a negative or a positive. It just depends on how you see it. <laughs> and, and, and here's the other thing I tell people, Nick, yeah. is, is our reality is make-believe. Mm. The reality of our life is make-believe because it's 100% based on our perceptions. So if we don't like an area of our life, if we shift our perspective, we open up our world to experience it differently, right? Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. 100% make believe. <laughs> it's the fantasy, a story, right? I mean, it is. It's, it's a, mm. yeah, it, it's make believe based on the story we tell ourselves about our life. So going through a divorce, most people would deem that as a negative, right? Mm hmm. I mean, it's a painful yeah. thing. It's emotional. It has all the draw to it and everything yeah, else. Sure. But if that, if that experience leads to opening up a door of understanding how I'm not living authentically and understanding how to launch my life in incredible ways that impacts millions of other people's lives, is that experience of that divorce still a negative? Well, it becomes a gift. So now you've taken, we've taken what was a negative based on our perceptions. Mm-hmm. And we now see it as a gift based on our perceptions. Right. And it's all in seeing it as a gift opens up the avenue for more of that. If we see it as the negative, it opens up our avenue for more of that. Right. So a lot of your work is sounding like helping uh, reperceive, reframe. It is um, from the standpoint of like, it's identifying and reframing is a lot of it. You know, we all have the conditioning we were raised with, right? It's none of our fault. We weren't born and we checked the box and said, I want to be, I want to be raised by Grant Cardone, you know, or I want to be raised by, you know, my parents were low income, you know, um, working blue collar people, you know, that's different conditioning. We don't sign up for that. And even the people giving us the conditioning are doing the best they could do, hmm. but we receive the conditioning we receive. At some point, what I do is help people understand the difference between your conditioning and the decisions you're making on how you're living your life right now. And once that understanding is there, we can shift those things and all of a sudden they can experience life easier. They can experience it showing up with more abundance. They can experience what they desire to experience in their life. So what is the difference? Our perception. So our perception is the difference between our conditioning and our decisions. Well, our conditioning is what our conditioning is, right? What we do with that conditioning. So for me, I was taught that a man gets a job, supports a family, and hopefully lives long enough to enjoy some retirement. And I bought into that conditioning hook, line, and sinker all the way up with degrees to a vice president of sales for corporations. Right. 28 years I spent in that, never wanting to do that. But because of that conditioning, 
I followed that pathway thinking I was living right. And whenever I had these desires to step out and do what I'm doing now and stuff, it was really tough to take that step into what I'm doing now because it was breaking all of those conditionings. So over that time period, I started understanding that and working on that and getting coaching and things like that. So I ended up in what took me years to realize, my clients realize in weeks now, but going through that process helped me realize that I am not my conditioning. That my conditioning, you know, I grew up, like I said, a low income family. So I was always told things like money doesn't grow on trees, right? Statements like that. I don't know if you guys use those by where you're at, but like statements like that. And for a long time, I struggled financially, regardless of what my income was because of that scarcity conditioning of money. So when I started realizing that one of the other things I do with my clients is we repattern those conditionings. We take those, that limiting beliefs and we create powerful beliefs from that. And I have multiple tools and things I use to help people to make those shifts. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Well, it sounds like you've taken, you've done an amazing thing in your life. I think it's a beautiful (laughs) example uh, that, you know, you don't have to live in any certain way. You can choose however you want to, regardless of your conditioning is sort of what I've gotten from it is that even if the conditioning is there, there's still that element of choice of how you go about relating to that conditioning. Is it an enemy or is it something to learn from, something to grow from? And then move through it willingly rather than being like, ah, life sucks. I suck and everything sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You know, Nick, when I was, when I was um, 13 years old, yeah, you know, my dad told me I needed to toughen up. I was the second oldest of five kids. And he said, you need to toughen up. I didn't know to ask what he meant. I knew that when he was younger, he was a brawler and things like that and stuff, you know, and I started fighting at 13 years old and I fought people into, I was, I was 31 years old when I, the last, when I finally said, I'm not doing this. And the reason I know that is because my son was born. Right. So I, I, um, so through that whole time period, if I got in a fight with somebody and got beat up, I walked away with the message I needed to toughen up. Mm-hmm. If I beat somebody up, there's, there's been times, you know, when I hit somebody in the face and it made me cry, like the thought that I did that to somebody else. And I would walk away even then saying, I need to toughen up. No matter what I did fed that conditioning. And I kept living Uh, through it over and over and over trying to get to the other side, but everything I did led right deeper into it. And I continued living that way. And then once I broke that later on, I was in my upper thirties and I don't remember exactly when, but I was in my upper thirties and I was talking to my dad and I go, do you remember that and stuff? And he goes, yeah. And we talked about it and what he meant by that was I, I need to not be so hurt at what people say to me. Right. I had no idea of that. <laughs> if he didn't known to explain it that way, I'd have had a different number of years there. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't so much fun living that way. Right. Hmm. You know, where I thought that intimidation, you know, or intimidation, like people being afraid of you is respect and things like that. And, and, and a lot of things like that, that got skewed. So that's what I'm talking about. Things like that, that we live as our truth. And they're not even intended to be that. Hmm. So when we identify those things and we shift those things, all of a sudden our world opens up with opportunities to live in that freedom, to live with love, the self-love, to live with honor, to live how we want to live our life. Hmm. And I'm curious, how is your, so when you were living like that through the lens of that conditioning and compared to now, how has your relationship with your father changed? You know, well, my dad's passed away. He passed away about wow. eight and a half years ago. So one of the things I'm really sad is he didn't get to see me step out from corporate wow. America into what I'm doing and stuff. But, but like, I had a really like, you know, in those years I had a really tough relationship with my dad because Anytime we try to fulfill what we believe to be somebody else's desires for our life, we have a tough time. There's that inner struggle going on. But later on in life, once I got past that and understood it and things like that and stuff, I still miss my dad every day, you know, and my mom too. Like I had a great, I had a great upbringing from them with the best they could do. You know, there's some things I had to shift perceptions on because of what we're talking about and stuff with (laughs) events and stuff. But, but overall, like 
I had such a great close relationship with each of them. Right, right. In my life. And it only went deeper as you went through. So it sounds like the conditioning didn't, which is, I, th- I think is really beautiful. It didn't bring about blame or resentment. It just brought about a deeper understanding, which brought about greater compassion by the sounds of it. Yeah, but when you're in it, when people are in that conditioning, mm. it, it has a lot of blame. It has a lot of ugliness. It really does. It has a lot of ugliness. It has a lot of pain Mm -hmm. in that process of being in that conditioning. It's only once we break it, you know, when my dad passed away and then my mom, they were married 56 years and my mom just didn't want to be alive without him. She felt like she was missing her other half. And a year later, she passed away of natural causes. She had no real illnesses. And so I realized what a great love relationship they showed me in their life together. And that was a time when I was like, man, here I am an orphan now, both my parents gone in a little over a year. I can't stand living like this anymore in corporate America. I can't stand doing it. And within a six month period, I ended up with three clients and I resigned from the position I had and moved down here and I've been going ever since. But it took that, it took that pain of, you know, the the pain of losing them and, and, and then really truly like going within and looking at my life, like, is this how I want to spend my life? And the answer was no, that discontent is what allowed me to take a bold action after a bold action after a bold action. And within six months resigned from there, moved down to the mountains where I knew nobody and start over. (laughs) Oh, wow. How was that like for you, by the way, moving to the mountains where you knew, where you knew nobody? Yeah, there was excitement in it because like, it's what I always wanted to do. You know, and I love the area down here. I'm right by the Smoky Mountains and trout streams, waterfalls and things like that. So there's the excitement with it and stuff. But there was a lot of fear. There was, you know, many days in the starting point of it, which is, which I was like, man, why did I do this? Like, you know, I, I didn't know anybody. So I couldn't come down here and start doing workshops and speaking and stuff like that. So I would do things like hand out five business cards a day. I'd go to Greenville or Seneca or surrounding towns because I'm up in the mountains. So there's not really anybody around here except mountain people, (laughs) you know? So I'd go into the towns and I would just hand out business cards. And all of a sudden I'd hear about the Chamber of Commerce and how they do things like that. And I heard about this real estate company and I heard about this and I heard about this guy that's about to lose his business and, you know, a small business and stuff. And and all of a sudden it started just kind of coming together. Mm -hmm. But what I found is when I was in that place of fear, when I allowed that to dictate, it's, it shut things down more and more and more. So what I learned to do, and this is what I teach people to do, is how to bring your activity level higher than your fear, but with a, where you're taking inspired action, not just spinning your wheels. Right. You know, so many people I work with want to try harder and harder and harder to achieve what they want to achieve and what they're actually doing is putting themselves further and further and further away from what they want to achieve when we take that inspired action those actions are you ever notice people there's some people that seems like they put in this much effort and get huge outcomes from it as results yeah sure yeah. and then there's people that put huge effort into it and it seems like they get minuscule results from it yeah that's why because they're trying harder and harder and harder yeah so what happens is they don't see the opportunities that like overhearing somebody talk and that gives them a spark or a key to what they need you know one of the things is i refer to my god as blue blue and the yeah blue and the reason i do that nick isn't just because it's my colors if you go to my website you'll see blue is my favorite color (laughs) but it's because in the conversations i have with people i hear of these incredible things that are happening in their life and such and i always say well how did that happen how did that happen because i love those stories and at some point they always say it came out of the blue right (laughs) that's that part that we can't do that happens for us to serve and honor what we're trying to achieve. Uh, but if we're trying harder and harder and harder, we block our receptors to receiving mm. those actions that lead to that in our life. Right. So even sometimes the counter, or at least counter to conditioning thing is to just do nothing and just stop for a moment and just step back and let that yeah. out of blueness come up. 
Yeah, one of the things when I moved down here is I was working with, you know, I work with a coach pretty regularly because the best coaches have coaches. And it, like, I feel like my life is a climb up Mount Everest, right? And who wants to get halfway up Everest and then tell the guide, I got it from here. You know, so having somebody available to help maneuver that helps me to see patterns, paradigms, and conditionings that I may not see. They're coming from within me. Mm. So a lot of times we don't recognize those within them with, you know, for ourselves, which is exactly what I bring to the table and helping people achieve results quicker and easier than what they could do on their own. Right. So I come down here and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having a little nervousness and this is what nervousness leads to for Joey is I take out a pad of paper and I write three full pages of ideas to do, right? With a checkbox and everything and stuff, Nick. I go through and list this whole thing. And in the process of that, my coach calls me. She goes, hey, I'm just checking in with you. How you doing? And stuff like that. And we're talking. And she goes, so what are you doing? And I told her. And she goes, what? And so I said, yeah, I'm making this list of all these things. And she goes, stop. She goes, put that down. Go get in your Jeep, go to a, the woods, go to a garden, go fishing, go do something like that. So I'm going, okay. So I end up putting it down, get in my Jeep, go to the botanical garden over here in Clemson. Oh, nice. Walk around, spend some time there. I'm driving home and I get a phone call. And it's from a guy in Michigan who I knew him, but I didn't even know he knew I was coaching. And he said, listen, coach, I really need some help. Like I'm in college right now. He's 22, 23 years old. He says, I'm in college right now. It should be the time of my life you know, and be active and all this. But all I do is smoke weed and, and sit around playing Xbox. And I just can't stand it anymore. I'm ready to quit school. He was not on that three-page list, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So I, I go from there. There's a longer story with that, but I'll end it there. I go from there and I go back home. Now I'm feeling a little better. It's like, man, this just showed up, you know? It just, yeah, I didn't yeah. even go looking. He wasn't somebody I had to. So I get home and I have two emails from places here in South Carolina, one in South Carolina, one just over the border in North Carolina of people that want me to do workshops. They were not on that list. <laughs> so I just think about if I just spent all my time going through that list and everything else. Yeah. There's a chance I may not have even been available to, to contact those people, but they were not definitely, certainly not people I'd have reached out to. So I'd have wasted all that effort spinning my wheels when mm. instead I get into what my beliefs are. I get into the truth that I'm living, you know, through my desires. I'm living through my authentic self. And in doing so, all of this shows up and I go enjoy myself and end up with three different things that happened for <laughs> me that day that show up out of the blue. Wow. That's wow. what I mean about not trying harder, but mm -hmm. allowing, getting more into that allowing place, getting more into that place of clearing my pathway for it to show up and then me to see the action for it. For you to seed, seed the action? For, for me to receive whatever action is on my part. So, right. you know, one of the things I do is I can't stand when your phone or, you know, gets all the junk mail and things like that that show up and everything it really bugs me so one of the things i do is i just scroll through my phone really quick sometime during the day and just delete all of it right there's a chance i could have deleted those emails for those events that day if i were running at 150 miles an hour like i used to do on that three page to-do list and trying to go 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 there's a chance i could have deleted those right out of my phone and never realized those mm. right when we slow down when we do things like you were talking about with meditation, when we go within and get into that place of feeling that well-being, of feeling that connection spiritually, and let that lead us, it will bring inspired actions over and over and over again. Right, right. And I guess that's not something that we're really taught. Um, we're taught to do everything on our own. <laughs> everything is right. to us. Yeah. And if you really look at it, Living like the masses, 98% of the people who, who end up at the bottom line of it, live in fear, doubt, and worry. They're go, 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 try, 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 harder, 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 keep going, going, going. You know, I work with a lot of real estate agents and, you know, that's meant to be an entrepreneurial business, but so many of them work like they're slaves to that job 24 seven and run themselves in the ground and, you know, kind of move away from their, like, you know, kind of don't spend any time with their family don't take care of their health, all kinds of stuff like that. Right. And it's like that in multiple fields and such, you know, 
that's living like the masses there where it's like, I got to achieve, I got to produce, I got to go, 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 go. And then there's 2% of the wealthiest people in the world. Now, when I say wealthy, I mean that they have health and well-being. They have deep, loving relationships. They have financial freedom to do what they want. And they're doing work that fulfills them, that fills their spirit. That's what I mean by when I say wealth. It's not just money. It includes yeah. it, but not just, okay? So that 2%, they end up getting a vision for what they desire in their life, what they want, how they want to expand, how they want to grow. They get themselves into feeling that vision. And then through that process, which is the exact process I follow, they start opening up avenues of receiving inspired action, of receiving opportunities that they otherwise would have missed living in that, like the masses mode. Right, right. And I want to help as many people shift from that masses mode to that 2% and see that grow as I possibly can in my lifetime. Nick. That's a nice the inspired vision, inspired vision. Yeah. 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 That's a good thing to remember as well. I think that, you know, the thing that most of us here is coming from most people and most people aren't living like a wealthy life in the sense of wealth being like you mentioned, you know, yeah, love, yeah, well-being, financial. Yep. I really like that actually that you defined what you meant by it because often we just say things and we don't really look into what we mean by that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what's good about us being able to converse and not just drop a line and go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this podcast would have a whole new meaning if we did that. So yeah, yeah and, and I'm glad you asked the questions too because it helps to bring clarification to those things. Yeah, yeah, because I found that we all we might say similar words, but we all mean completely different things. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. with something like love, God, everyone has completely different understanding. Blue, blue, <laughs> blue. Yeah, for you, blue has so much meaning. You know, for me, blue is yeah. a color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like start yeah. listening to hear it. Start listening for that though. Start listening to hear. Um, yeah. You know, people say, you know, it came out of the blue. And here's the other thing. Here's a tool that, you know, I, I'll give you, your audience, that, that you can just play with and have fun with. Mm. Is one of the first things I do whenever I start working with a new client is I have them sometime in the morning before they step into their day fully and things like that, is I have them take a moment and just sit back and ask themselves, what would I love today? What would I love today? It can be, it can be financial. It can be, I'd love to you know, meet a new friend. It can be, I'd love to have a client show up out of the blue. It, it can be, you know, anything. What would you love today? And then just take a moment, a minute maybe, and just visualize what's that going to look like when it shows up? What's your life going to look like when that shows up? And what are you going to feel like when it shows up? And then let it go. It's not a to-do list. Just let it go and go about your day and watch and see how often that shows up in your life. <laughs> I've had clients who have told me like financially, like, you know, they, they've said, man, I really like to receive, you know, enough money to, you know, whatever today, pay my rent, whatever it is. And throughout the day, all of a sudden they'll call me later that night and go, you're not going to believe this. You're <laughs> not going to believe this. A check showed up from out of, you know, out of the blue for, you know, $10 more than what I needed to pay. You know, I have people who talk about friendships showing up. I have people who, I, in my own life, I've had clients. Sometimes I'll say, I would love a belly laugh today. You know, just to have one of those laughs that make your belly hurt, you know, when you're done. <laughs> and throughout the day, I can't say every single day everything shows up, but throughout the day, there's been times when it's like happened and it's like, oh my God, this is, you know, it, it connects with that. And it's just something to play with that starts opening up that avenue of how easy it is to really receive what we want in our life. Right. Yeah. I guess the biggest obstacle is that we'd never really try. <laughs> yeah. We don't. I, I had a, I had a client of mine um, not, probably about four months ago that she, she called me up one evening and she goes, you're not going to believe this. And I go, I bet I do. <laughs> and she goes, this morning I woke up and said, I would love to see a rainbow today. And so she did what I said about taking a minute to visualize it. What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? All that. Let it go. Later in the afternoon, she went to a garage sale at a friend's house and she's looking and this thing stood out to her and she just kind of kept going, like pulled her and she went over and looked, you know, those troll dolls. Yeah. 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 It was one of those troll dolls with rainbow hair. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> she ended up buying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but I've had people who talk about like that, that they have that and they're walking and they find $20 on the ground blown by them as they're coming out of a shopping store, coming out of work or, you know, someplace like that and stuff or checks in the mail or, you know, people showing up all of a sudden they'll, they'll say, man, I'd love to talk to, you know, a good friend. And that person calls them. Have you ever had that thought where you think of somebody? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that, that person reaches call, out to yeah. you. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's exactly that right there, Nick. <laughs> you put the intention out there. You don't even take the action of picking up the phone and dialing it. And all of a sudden that person calls you. Mm. Those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, so, so much power <laughs> to, to the mind that we just ignore um, or don't take serious. Or I like your way of saying it, playing with it and having fun with it rather than another thing to do, another to-do list. Yes. Yeah. Everything oh. I do with my clients, it, it, it's, it's not that it's all fun and games. I don't want to act like that, but it's things that create, lead into expansiveness. So even doing it, there's so much reward for the effort put into it that people really literally get pulled into it, the life work or whatever we're doing or we'll come out of the one-on-one -on -one sessions and stuff. It's like because of the expansion that happens through that process that right away, once we start doing it, people are like pulled into it and they're like, man, I'm looking forward to getting what I'm going to do this week. Right. Yeah. That's a, a really helpful way to frame it. Yeah pull rather than effort fun because fun pulls yeah. we do stuff that we enjoy don't we we don't have to try yeah again our realities make believe mm. so you can look at something with the perspective of it being work and a chore or you can look at it you know one of the things that really bothers me is i'm the guy i'm the guy who throws receipts in my council and in my desk drawer and things like that all year round and I do this every year. And every year I say, next year, I'm not going to do this. But I do the same thing. And so when it comes tax time, I have to pull all these receipts out of my truck. I got to pull the ones out of the drawer. I got to put them all together. And I got this big pile of receipts. And now I have to organize them into the different areas that they fit into. And then from there, I have to take and put together a spreadsheet so that I can send it to the tax guy. And then he can do his part and everything else. And I cannot stand doing that, Nick. From December until I do it, it's like weighing on me. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I've thought about hiring an assistant just to get my tax records in place like that and stuff. That's how much I dislike doing it. But what I do, because I don't like doing that, mm -hmm. what I do is I get a perspective of what's it going to feel like once I've sent it to them and I'm complete for the year. That feeling of, ah, I did it. I'm done. I'm, it's over. And I continue focusing on that feeling of what it's going to feel like once it's complete to bring me through the process of pulling them out of the truck, pulling them out of the drawer, doing all the stuff right. I have to do with it and stuff. And all of a sudden going through that process, because I'm focused on what it's going to be like to have it done and not what it's going to feel like to do it, the same exact you know, effort has a whole different outlook to it. Right. Different like... Uh smell or taste to it different experience completely yeah. different Not a it's like all of a sudden i'm going through it and looking forward to getting to the end point yeah. rather than dreading having to go through the process of it right right yeah that's a again really helpful framing to to look at yeah it. and so if you had to um just to finish up leave the listeners with one thing um it could be anything you want anything up to you one thing what would it be? It could be an invitation. It could be a challenge. It could be some inspiration, whatever you like. Yeah. I'll tell you the one thing is, is if any of this resonated with you, if any of this stuff hit you and you're like, Oh, I know what you mean. Or, you know, from that side of things, you can reach out to me at coach with joseph.com coach with joseph.com. And you can schedule a block of time where you and I will get on the phone and we'll talk about what those things are for you, get you some additional tools. I'll even help you start sparking that vision of what you truly want to experience in life and then give you some tools to start bridging that gap. Right. And the other thing, Nick, is that life that you desire, that life that you crave, that super person that you believe you can be inside of you is all available to you. You just have to clear the pathway of the stuff holding you back and it can't help but to emerge into your experience of your lifetime. Mm. Like that phrasing, can't help but emerge. Um, yeah. Very powerful. 
Well, listeners, you heard it here. So I'll leave Joey's details on the description as well. You can go and click the link to go to his website. Thank you for listening. Joey, thank you for being here. Listeners, have a wonderful day.